0: questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas.
1: And what a special treat I have for you tonight. In this year's final episode, tonight's special guest is not an armchair truth seeker. He's someone who has an immense love for this planet and its people, especially those who don't have a voice, a truth I'm people champion. Tonight's special guest is Max Egan from TheCrowHouse.com, closing the year in LaCache. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button at VeritasRadio.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at VeritasRadio.com. I always love to hear from you. Max Egan is a radio talk show host, researcher, artist, musician, philosopher, free thinker, champion for the truth, and a true Renaissance man. Max is the man behind the website, thecrowhouse.com, which is filled with great information for those seeking the truth. And directly from Australia, where it's really early right now, I'd like to welcome a brother in truth, Max Egan. Hello, Max, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you?
0: I'm very good, brother. Thank you for having me on the show again. It's lovely to come and talk to you, brother. It really is.
1: It's always a pleasure and an honor. And by the way, it's been, I believe, three, four years, and the last time we did a show was at the end of the year. So coincidentally, we're ending the show with a bang, having you here. But you know what? It's been a few years since we've had you here. I know you've been traveling a lot. You made an appearance again, which I didn't know, back in Pennsylvania at the Free Your Mind Conference. Tell us about the last year. What's been happening with Max Egan?
0: Oh, wow. It's almost too much to tell, Mel. I've been uh, traveling for 11 months straight. I went out of, of sort of been around the world twice in the last 11 months. It's been ridiculous the amount of miles I've done. I've done speaking dates in uh, Mexico. I've done workshops in Hawaii, speaking dates in California in Denmark, a few dates in the UK, workshops across Europe in Holland and Spain. Um, workshops in back in the United States in LA been back to Peru I thought I was going back to Peru at the end of it all to go and relax and get to my little jungle home and kick back after 11 months of travel got there and got invaded by microscopic flesh-eating parasites that came out of the jungle so I hightailed it out of there back to Australia so it's been a really colorful year I didn't expect to find myself here for Christmas it's cost me an arm and a leg to get here, but I just sort of needed I think the universe was telling me I needed to go home and recuperate after after the extensive travel that I've done. So that's kind of been, been the whole thing in a nutshell. It's been a hell of a busy year. I'm only here in Australia for five or six weeks, and then I have to take off again for a bunch more speaking dates and workshops. And 2018 is going to be the last year that I do any traveling for a while. Actually, I'm going to get home about October 2018. I intend to stay here for at least 18 months and work on a film and sort of catch myself back up and put myself in front in that that regard. I've sort of kind of let the films and all that sort of stuff get put on the back burner for the last few years because I've been so busy with the radio shows and speaking dates and things, but I intend to come home at the end of next year and get all this stuff finished. So, yeah, very, very busy times for me, Mel.
1: Every time we talk, we you have a change of perspective. Have things gotten better worldwide with all your travels? Have they gotten worse?
0: Well, look, you know it's it's gotten worse, and it's gotten better. I mean, there's always a polarisation of these things, there's always uh, whatever happens bad, always there's something equal good happens, I've found. But um yeah, I mean the situation globally has gotten worse. the The police state is definitely coming online everywhere, very, very noticeable here in Australia after being away for a year. But again, with all this, there's a, a huge wakefulness happening as well. I'm seeing a lot of people wake up. I'm seeing a lot of people at least become aware that, you know, the fact that their government is corrupt. You get these big burly police officers put them in people's faces and they can't really help but wake up. So people are seeing it. I mean, they're seeing that there's a problem, um, perhaps not fast enough, And but we do have a problem. The police state is definitely rolling out. The 5G grid, the AI system, is what is a concern You know, underneath the whole thing, underneath all of the militarization of the police and the the wars and the posturing of, you know, the polarization, especially in the United States, the polarization there with the left and right through the whole Trump election. That was quite a, a theater show. But through it all, you know, through all these things that are happening to keep us distracted on the ground, underneath it all is this 5G, this smart system, which is rolling out underneath everything. And that is the concern. You know, the 5G grid, the 5G system that's coming online, a lot of people really aren't looking at this and aren't seeing it for what it is. They just think it's the next step up from 4G, but it's not. It's a completely different technology. The analogy I've been using, which has kind of been working with people, is to point out to them that 5G is the the same as microwave cannons. It's military-grade technology. It's active denial systems, millimeter waves. This is the same as what they use in airport scanners. So if people are concerned about airport scanners, they need to understand that when the 5G system comes online, it'll be like we're all living permanently inside an airport scanner. That's what it's like. That's the frequencies we're going to be subject to. And this is coming out underneath everything. But not only that, not only the fact that it's, it's so dangerous and it's so damaging to our biology, it's the smart grid itself, you know, which is coming out under the guise of convenience. Everybody's just lapping it up. New smartphones, new ID for this, new apps for this. You know, It just all blends together into this smart grid, the digitization of everything, the digitization of currency as well. And this is happening underneath everything under the surface and like people are just accepting it lapping it all up it's just more convenient for them to do this and the smart system is the new world order that is the new world control grid itself and uh, when you got your smart fridge and your smart toaster and your smart tv and everything's smart everything's listening to you everything's talking to everything else it's all monitoring you monitoring every action that you do everywhere you go there's a people res- arrested uh, in australia last year or a few months ago The police were listening to them through their refrigerator, overheard a conversation. The guy was planning some sort of criminal activity or something, or the police heard it, listening to him through his fridge because they had a little mark against his name. Oh, this guy's a criminal. Let's let's monitor his home and see what he's up to. They got him on a conversation and charged him with it, all perfectly legal. This is where we're going, mass surveillance, and that's what the New World Order is, and that is what is happening underneath the surface. I think a lot of the reason they're making so much theatre and so many theatrics and keep us worried about North Korea, worried about this, worried about the left and right, worried about what's happening on the street in our cities – is so we don't notice this whole smart grid underneath the whole thing. That's that's the concern.
1: So this is the destruction, basically, because, for example, yesterday I heard that in China there was a, I believe it was a BBC reporter that the country wanted out, and it only took the government seven minutes using CCTV to find him and to kick him out of the country.
0: Exactly. Well, that's China, and that's where we're going in every every country. You know, it's probably quicker in England I'd say you know the surveillance I've got (laughs) in England wouldn't surprise me but um, yeah it just shows what they can do it just shows what they can do and they can find everybody in seven minutes like you say so uh, how, how, can, how can they have all these ISIS terrorists and all this stuff? That's another thing you can look at. You know, If they can locate someone in China in seven minutes using current technology, how the hell have we got all these terrorists and all these people running around the world? How did, how did Osama bin Laden do all that stuff for years and never get caught? I mean, come on, folks.
1: Instead of a yeah. cave in somewhere in Afghanistan, and the, now you have ISIS with thousands of Toyota pickup trucks, that they never approach their arch enemy. Do you find that interesting? If you know what yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, but they, I think they need funding to get those trucks. I think you actually have to buy them somewhere online. You know, so I mean, they can cut off funding to all these people, all this stuff. But it, just the interesting thing is that they they claim they can't find them. We've got to go and carpet bomb Syria because we can't find the leaders, and yeah, we can find this guy in China in seven minutes. And China, how many people in China? And they found this one guy. Talk about a needle in a haystack. You know. So you know, how do we have to carpet bomb these cities when we know where everybody is? We can find everybody directly. If they've got a cell phone, then we know where they are.
1: Even Facebook these days, face recognition. I posted some pictures of me 25, 30 years ago. And immediately, boom, he knew it was me. So imagine what this technology militarily
0: can do. Exactly, exactly. And everybody's laughing it up. Everyone's doing it themselves. I mean, you know, imagine the effort the police used to have to go to to get details on everybody. Now they just go Facebook. It's all there. Everybody posts all their details there, all their friendships, all their contacts, all the people they hang out with, what they have for breakfast. It's all there. It's ridiculous.
1: No wonder everybody's changing their name because if they apply for a job, they know that part of the recruitment process is to comb through the entire life of the person before the person is hired. The word privacy do you see privacy being part of our vernacular in the next few years, or is that gone?
0: Well, there isn't any anymore. There is no privacy. You know, it's, it's a thing of the past. Even now, it's a thing of the past. People who think that they aren't being monitored, well, they are. You know, everything that everybody does online is monitored. And now when the, with the blockchains coming out, it's an interesting thing. I mean, blockchains are good and bad because blockchains will preserve stuff. For example, um, I uploaded a video to YouTube a month or so ago talking about the California fires and the Las Vegas shooting. YouTube flagged it for um, you know, a breach of copyright standards or breach of community standards, community guidelines, or some rubbish. And they deleted the video. But because my YouTube account is linked to my BitChute account, the video is still there on BitChute. It's still part of the blockchain, so it's a permanent record. Mm. So this is a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, it's a good thing whereby if you upload something truthful and it gets deleted, it's still going to be preserved. But it also preserves every single thing that you do, everything you've ever typed, everything you've ever said, even before you've edited a comment. It'll be there. All your edit history will be there. Everything is there, and it'll all be preserved on the blockchain. So it stands as a permanent record for everybody. And so it's a good thing and a bad thing. You you may have lost your temper one day, said a few nasty things, whatever, you know, I often say to people, don't ever write anything down, never put anything in print that you don't want to have read out in court one day, you know, and the blockchain will ensure that that happens. It it makes a permanent record. And so, you know, you've got to look at the the good side and the bad side of of where this whole technology is going and what the blockchain can possibly do. Now, when you look at the new trade agreements and everything that's coming out with China as well, this is all going to be run by blockchain. Uh, Have you looked at the One Belt, One Road uh, initiative that China is putting out?
1: No, by the way, BitChute, I've never heard of it before until you mentioned it today.
0: Okay, well, BitChute is like uh, it's like YouTube. Uh, um, it's, um, yeah, so, on the website uh, Bit... right now. Wow. Yeah, well, if you if you uh, open up a Bitshoot um, account and then you link it to your YouTube account, every every like I don't even have to upload videos to BitChute. Every YouTube video that I upload is automatically grabbed and put on the blockchain. So if YouTube deletes it, it's still there on the BitChute blockchain. (laughs) So if if you've got a YouTube account, it's a good thing for people to do. It's a good way to preserve your videos because then they can't be deleted because they're on the blockchain.
1: Wow. Now, you were mentioning something else about China. I haven't heard of that.
0: Well, yeah, the One Belt, One Road initiative is a new trade agreement that is um, is going to be launched by China soon. This is what the whole theatrics is going on between North Korea and the United States at the moment. See, China is a sleeping giant, and China is something that sort of scares a lot of people. They think of China, and it's just this big unknown. So we've got to find a way of bringing China into the fold. I mean, they want to bring in the Chinese work ethic in America. I mean, this is they've you know, known this for for years. They'd like the way the Chinese do their work. It's all very regimented. and I think that it's no mistake that uh, the United States national debt owes trillions and trillions of dollars, and who does it owe it all to? It owes it to China, could have borrowed from any other country, could have borrowed from the World Bank, could have borrowed from anywhere, but borrowed from China to make sure the United States ends up in debt with China. This will you know, help bring in the Chinese work ethic into the United States. But the One Belt, One Road initiative is a new silk road which is happening. It's going to be a maritime road and a, uh, a um, land road as well. So, And it's basically the new silk road, similar to the old silk road. And this is being launched by China as the One Belt, One Road initiative. And when you look at it, you look at the EU, you look at Brexit, how England's been Pushed out of the EU. Of course, the people made the choice to leave the EU and all this sort of stuff. You look at the the One Belt, One Road initiative, it encompasses Europe, encompasses all these countries, but it doesn't encompass the UK, doesn't encompass the United States. So it's going to squash them out of this trade agreement. But it's the whole new trade agreement that's going to come about. Now, in order for this to happen, it's going to have to, uh, the United States is going to have to be knocked off its perch as the global reserve currency. The, the new reserve currency will likely be a cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, IOTA, something, whatever they want to cook up. And it doesn't have to be Bitcoin. It could be anything that they cook up themselves. You know, We've got the world embracing cryptocurrencies now, so it's a good way to do it. But with, um, with this whole theatrics between North Korea and, and America… This is all theater. There's not going to be a war between North Korea and America. This is being done in order to bring China into the fold. You watch what will happen, and within the next year, within the next six months, it'll, it'll get to a degree that the United States and, and North Korea are facing off against each other. Everyone's scared of World War III, as if they're not already. China will step in, and it will appease the situation. It will step in. It will appease North Korea. North Korea will agree not to be so warlike if we open up trade agreements with it, and China will be awarded control of the new Silk Road and the new economic system because they've just done such a great job and saved the world from World War III. Um, For this to happen, the new Silk Road will probably be run off off a cryptocurrency, off a digital currency, and for that to happen, the United States will lose its position as a global reserve currency. And when that happens, when the United States loses that position, it will be the end of the United States. It'll be done in a kind of a gradual way, You've done it in a, a way that everybody's given a lot of money everyone's been given a, a fair amount of money to to pass go with which is what this whole Bitcoin things about. it's about giving everybody their $200 dollars to pass go for the new economic system that's about to come out. but it's all going to be run by China and it's all going to be crypto and the United States is going to lose its position and that's what this whole um, war with North Korea is all about. If you look up the one belt One Road initiative it's all over Google if you just search it one belt one Road you'll find all the information about how they're putting all this together. I think it's very interesting, the uh, the whole Brexit thing as well, because when you look at the agreements with One Belt, One Road, it's all designed to serve Europe and the South Pacific and different regions, but it doesn't mention anything about uh, the United States. And as it mentions EU, and you see that the, uh, at England, the UK, has been kind of squashed out of the EU, This will allow the uh, implosion of England. But, I mean, England's going to be safe. It's still going to be there. They're never going to really let England go down completely because the royal family's there. But they need to show the people what happens when you try to um, get a little bit independent, when you try to leave Europe, you try to leave the EU. Oh, look, now we've got this new trade agreement. You're you're all blocked out. You're all locked out of it. You're going to have to pay extra money if you want to trade with us. So the cost of uh, living is going to go up. The the standard of living is going to go down. They've imported all these migrants in there and they're setting up little Sharia areas in London and all the theatrics is all there so we can have some race riots. We can have some class wars in England, reduce the population that way, get them back under control that way so the government can then come in and protect them and make them safe and bring them back into the fold of the EU. I mean, this is how it's all going to go down. You watch.
1: I hope there's not going to be any military conflict. I'm so tired of these eternal wars. But I'm not supposed to say this, but I have a a friend here in town. and uh, He's in the Air Force base here. And he's ready to retire after a couple of decades with the Air Force. And I'm told that he's being deployed. Uh, he was told by a third party. Uh, d- not sure where, but after the holidays, he's being deployed. I find that very strange. So something is in the works. Uh, now with China and this you know, Silk Road Economic Belt. Have you also heard of the Sesame score in China?
0: I haven't. You can tell me about that one.
1: Well, basically, it is like a credit score in the United States. But there, if you have social media, for example, let's say that you have a a Facebook account, you're my friend, and me as your friend, I post a picture of, say, Tiananmen Square. All of a sudden, my score goes down. And because you're my friend, your score goes down too. So when you're ready to get a mortgage your rate's gonna go up, your internet's gonna be slower, prices are gonna be higher for you, and basically that's how they're gonna maintain social conduct, by giving you that score. Things are gonna be cheaper. Uh, if you go to the pharmacy and you buy some you know, fast food, your credit score goes down. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, interesting. That's an interesting way of programming people, isn't it? You know, right on, a, on a rates uh, system, Whereby you get penalized if you think outside of the box. Very, very interesting. Doesn't surprise me. Very interesting, though. It's typical that they would come up with it in China as well.
1: Well, the interesting thing is that they don't have to recur to violence to do that. People are going to comply. And something tells me that if it works in China, because I think China is the model, ever since Kissinger went there, you know, in the I believe it was the '70s, and China became our quote-unquote our partner. I think they're looking for ways to to universally make the world like China.
0: Well, yeah, the Chinese work ethic. They love the Chinese work ethic. They all get up there and they stand in their lines and they do their little calisthenics and they're like little little ant farms, the whole thing. Every Chinese factory worker, every every job, it's all like little ant farms. They, they want people to think that way. People in China, China do not question authority at all. And you've got to coax people into that. So how do you do it? You know, you do it economically. You know, Americans are so used to being at the top of the food chain You know, once things change and this new economic road comes online, once things change, to cryptocurrency – see, cryptocurrency – I mean, we all hate the fiat system. We all hate the Federal Reserve. We all want to see a new system. We all want to see an honest system. But the cryptocurrencies are basically undermining everybody's faith in their own currency. And what this will do will end up bringing about an economic collapse of each of, each one of these countries, and it, the people will have done it themselves. They won't mind so much because they'll all have millions of dollars in the bank from their Bitcoin accounts because it's skyrocketing, blah, blah, blah. That's why it's all been done. It's your $200 for passing go. You know, a lot of these people won't care because they've got all the funds because they think the funds are what means something. You know, so it's a way of leading us into this, into this system, into this Chinese work ethic. You know, it'll be done just, oh, you know, we've got to do it. We've got to tighten the belt. You know, we've got to get the economy back up. You know, if we all pull together, you can imagine how it's going to be presented, you know. It'll just be a little while. we just got to get this and just get regimented for a while and rah, 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 you know. Don't don't worry. It's not going to be permanent. Of course it's going to be permanent, you know.
1: Well, people are asking me all the time, what do you think of Bitcoin? Well, I did a an interview years ago discussing this and people laughed at Cliff High and I for discussing it. This is when it was $200. Now it fluctuates 17, 19,000 this this last week. But take Bulgaria, poor country in Europe. It has a lot of debt, but now they're sitting on $3 billion in Bitcoin. They have 213,000 Bitcoins that they bought. So now in order to pay the debt, they need to be able to cash out on those $3 billion. The moment that happens, Bitcoin crashes.
0: Well, possibly, could could well do. But think about the overlap there, what this is doing to the fiat system anyway, what this is doing to the economy. I mean, Bitcoin, it, it just like it's money for nothing. It just comes out of thin air. But you can go now to a machine and you can pull out fiat dollars out of that machine, real paper money you can pull out of a machine and go and spend. So how has that overlap happened? How are you able to pull money out of that fiat economy using this Bitcoin virtual Economy, you see what I'm saying? So the money, what's it backed by? It's not backed by anything. It's it's just going to cause mass inflation. It's going to cause all sorts of problems. I mean, you know, it could be a good thing. Bitcoin could be a great thing, you know, given the the parameters of the current system staying the way they are. But the way the system has adapted itself to Bitcoin, and the way the system has adapted itself to digital, and a lot of things people don't understand as well is when it all goes smart. And you're paying for every single action that you perform, you know, like Black Mirror, you know, the way they showed on one of those particular episodes. <laughs> yeah. And that that's the way it's going, you know, so sort do of you pay per use as you go for everything you do. In that situation, it doesn't matter what form the currency takes, as long as it's digital. Bitcoin will work fine with that. Any cryptocurrency will work fine with that, as long as it's a digital currency doesn't matter what sort it is. You know, the problem isn't the, the fiat system, isn't the money system. And a lot of people also, they're saying, they're looking at it going, well, the bankers aren't going to support Bitcoin because they want to have control of the money. and The bankers don't care. They've already done it. They've been doing it for 500 years. They already own everything. What do they care if the fiat system crashes now? They've got enough gold to keep themselves going for the next 5,000 generations, you know. So they don't care if the system collapses, if the fiat system collapses. The fiat system is only ever there to lead us to this point where we could change it all over to digital. It doesn't matter what form it takes. As long as you believe you have to pay to be alive and you believe you need to pay for every action, and as long as you are set up as an economic node for the system, it doesn't matter what form that currency takes. As long as you have to pay, that's what it's about. So, you know, in that in that situation, with where we're going, with this smart system, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies aren't going to save anything. They're not going to lead us to anywhere. Like I said, all they're really doing is giving us that $200 to, to pass go.
1: I have mixed feelings, but at the same time, anything that competes with the fiat money, central bank, Federal Reserve, which is has no reserves and is not federal, anything that competes with them, I'm fine with. But I find it that it could be bait to digital currency. Imagine this scenario for a moment. Can you imagine a world where everything is online and all items are delivered? You want to go somewhere? You hire a vehicle with an app. You want something to eat? You order it online. You socialize online. You get your shopping online. You get your clothes online. No delivery drivers, fully automated. No human producers, fully automated. No books, no writing, nothing of the old, old world. Can you imagine then what would happen if the plug was pulled and everything vanished? Poof back to the story.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it almost would be like that now, you know, just people are losing all of their life skills, you know, for all their communication skills and everything. And people don't understand that this is almost being set up to fail. It's been set up for that to happen because once the internet becomes fully autonomic, which is what we're doing, we're giving it, you know, fully autonomic capabilities, even the defense systems, everything, the 5G system, which can be weaponized, all this stuff is becoming fully autonomic. Yeah. At that point, Once the Internet becomes fully autonomic and it fully looks after everything and it's governing every aspect of our lives, all it will take will be for some person to want to regain control of the Internet. And as soon as some hacker or someone tries to regain control of the Internet and the Internet views them as a threat, then it will just lock all of humanity out. It won't differentiate between Rothschild and Smith or Jew and Goyim or anything. It'll just lock everybody out. And that, that's the danger that we have. And then we will be reduced to the Stone Age. And not only that, we'll have no life skills because many of the kids today, they don't know how to do anything. They don't know how to plant a tree. They don't know how to grow any food. A lot of kids don't even know where milk comes from. I think it comes from the supermarket. You know, so it's crazy. It's crazy where we're being led. And, yeah, that, that's the real danger is that we can, they can just pull the plug or well, the Internet could lock us out itself. If we do the wrong thing, you know, you get to the point where you've got a machine controlling every aspect of your life. This is not a good thing. You know, I still don't own a credit card. I still don't own a smartphone. I'll still, I'll just never go over to that system. I still shop with cash everywhere I go. That's just the way I am. So, I don't know. I'm just, it's becoming harder and harder to do as well. I'm really noticing it's becoming difficult for me to function in this world just trying to use cash and not using the smartphone. It's, uh, it's amazing. You're kind of being led into it. Even with flight now, they've they removed the entertainment from aircraft on a lot of flight. They expect you to take your phone or a tablet or something there. You do a six or seven hour flight, you can't even watch a movie unless you take your little digital device in there and plug it into their system. So they're sort of forcing you to do it. There's talk now that new phones, um, very soon phones will be free as well. You know, they just want you to have them, is the thing.
1: Is the goal to basically. Turn us into cyborgs, and in the future they're going to give you the option, and then it's going to be compulsory. Or they're going to implant a chip to make you a more efficient human. And those who stay behind, you know what happens to them?
0: Well, they won't have to implant a chip, Mel. That's the thing. They can just tailor you. They can grow a baby to be what they want it to be. You know the way they're leading us into this androgynous reality as well. Look, they're destroying people's sexuality through. Genetic modification and all sorts of stuff. So, you're, the sperm count is is uh, dropping dramatically. Um, women are finding it very difficult to have babies as well. So, you know, it's just leading us into this area where we won't be able to have kids. And the whole um, gender um, transgenderism that's happening as well, claiming there are 34 different genders. Um, this is all about transhumanism as well. You know, once you know, you've got Sophia the robot just been given citizenship, so you've got to look at where it's all going. When you get to a point where a human being is partially enhanced. You know, you're, you're half human, half cyborg. What is your gender? You'd be one of these 34 genders. So it, it leads us into this, leads us into this area. Um it's getting to the point where people, you know, another couple of generations, people won't be having babies by normal means. I'll be purchasing them from the ectogenesis chambers and, you know, being manufactured with artificial sperm, artificial eggs that they're manufacturing now out of stem cells. They've found a way of doing all of this. It's all out there in MIT. You can go and look it up. It's in the mainstream, you know, so that's where they're leading us. They're leading us into this complete androgenization, into this kind of non-sexual um or or just an androgynous species non-natural androgynous. non-natural completely androgynous no real males no real females just a, a blurring the line between both and one of 34 genders in between but you know the whole transhumanist thing is all being led into this and the the whole 34 gender idea is is lending itself towards transhumanism also as well you know if if you're going to have a blockchain Running everything, and it's all going to be a digital currency. If it's all going to be run by AI, you know, in order for that AI to make a profit and to have an income, it needs to be a citizen because you can't, you can't have an income or anything like that. You can't have a bank account if you're not a citizen. So that's why they've given citizenship to Sophia as well.
1: Now, let me understand that, the Sophia part, because that's very interesting that she's a, she, or, well, somebody asked her what gender, and she says that she considers a female because she sounds like one, but citizen of Saudi Arabia, what does that mean? If somebody comes and says, I don't like where this is going, shoots that robot in the head, kills, quote unquote, kills the robot, will there be repercussions toward the killer because that robot is a citizen?
0: Absolutely, absolutely, that's where. That robots have the same amount of rights as humans, and they have the same respect for life. You've got to respect their life as much as you respect the life of a human. That's that's where it will be going. And they've got to do it this way so that when you become enhanced, you know you are not seen as something that is non-human or whatever.
1: Synthetic you know. biology,
0: synthetic biology, absolutely. It's where it's going. And um, you see, see, when when um, giving giving citizenship to to Sophia in in Saudi Arabia, it isn't just. Giving you know the novelty of making a robot a citizen, it's giving um, citizenship to artificial intelligence. That's the bottom line. That's the the key there. You know, and Saudi Arabia also is the head of the Palantir network. You know, the surveillance network. The biggest center is in uh, in Saudi Arabia as well. Palantir is what collects all the data for Talpiot and all that sort of stuff. So that's a big Israeli control center. Saudi Arabia and Israel are joined at the hip. I mean, the
1: the, um, the they pretend the not to.
0: Well, yeah, the actual Saudi family is a Jewish family. I mean, the the real king of um, Saudi Arabia was King Faisal, and he was deposed by the CIA, and the Saudi family was put in place, and they're actually a Jewish family pretending to be Arabs, running the most abominable um, Wahhabiist um, regime. So everyone hates the Muslims because oh my God, look 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 at the way the, the Muslims are treated. You know, women are cain for standing too close to their husbands and all sorts of stuff in Saudi Arabia. Well, it's a little it's changed a little now because. Um, Uh, Prince, the new new prince. New prince has changed a few things. But the reason he's doing this even, like he's basically westernizing um, Saudi Arabia's um, business dealings in order to make Saudi Arabia attractive to be part of the one belt, one road system. Because you can you've got to have travel through the Suez Canal. You're not going to have this this working properly if you've got such an extremist regime as Saudi Arabia there. So they need to become very open. They need to become very Western with their with their business dealings. This is why Israel is now rubbing shoulders with um, with Putin and China as well, saying to uh, maintain their viability because you're going to need a strong um, a strong hand there to control the Suez Canal and Sinai region. You know, so this is what Israel and Saudi Arabia are doing right now. Posturing against Lebanon again. They of course they want to kick start that war again. Still bombing Syria, even though the United States is trying to pull out Israel, went in there and bombed them the other day, bombed Damascus, attacking Gaza again over Christmas, you know, all the stuff they do. So but that's why Saudi Arabia is, is making itself so Western now, giving rights to women and all sorts of stuff. Because it was a bit of an affront to the world for that they gave rights to a, a, a robot the robot actually had more rights than women yeah, in Saudi Arabia, exactly. which was pretty wild. And it's a female robot. How's the irony there? You know. So, um, yeah, so they had to kind of come and, and do what they're doing. You're hearing all this stuff in the independent media, all these people saying, oh, it's the White Hats. It's this big pedophile purge. No, it isn't. It's uh, it's basically King Salman or Prince Salman um, um, clearing out the opposition and um, setting themselves up as an atractic, Uh, an attractive business partner for the One Belt, One Road initiative. That's what it's all about.
1: I was surprised to see that Sophia was not wearing a hijab when it was presented with citizenship there. But as you said, it has more rights than the rest of of the women. But Wahhabism, this this is something that people need to understand. If there's a cancer in the world, that is the biggest cancer, in my opinion. It basically indoctrinates children from the moment that they go to school. They plant all these falsehoods which demonizes the rest of the Islamic population?
0: Yeah, and it's not Islam. It's not Islam, but that's what we get. That's what you know. All of the extremism and all the stuff that we're presented in the West as what is Islam is all Wahhabism, and it's all created by the West to do exactly what it's what it's done to make the world hate hate Islam. You know, it's been very clever, very very clever, the way they've done it. And people say all oh, these jihadis. And a lot of people don't even know what the word jihad means. Now, the jihad is the struggle, the internal struggle to become closer to God. That's what it's all about. It isn't anything to do about becoming a, a, a terrorist or a bomber or waging war against anyone. It's the struggle, the inner war that we all have against, you know, all these things that, that want to lead us from our path. You know, every if you really look at it, anybody struggling to become a better person through life and to become closer to their creator is a jihadi. So you know, people don't understand the, the whole system. They don't understand what it's been done. It's all been done just to divide and 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 you know, create this whole concept of East against West. But again, this is a threat. It's 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 theatre just to keep us looking at all this stuff because we think it's an actual concern, but it isn't. The real concern is the smart grid that's coming out underneath. You know, and another four or five years, now, everyone's going to look up from all their rabbit holes of what they've been researching—the Jesuits, the Jews, the this, the that, the flat earth, whatever it is that people are researching. You're all going to look up and go, "Hang on a minute, how did how did we get here? How did I end up in this digital smart grid where every single aspect of my life is now monitored and everything's controlled? I mean, how did I get here? How did I not notice this happening? You know, that's that's where we're going, and a lot of people simply aren't noticing it.
1: But why haven't they rolled it out? Because I remember years ago, they had 2G, 3G, 4G, and it's been years now since they could have implemented 5G, and they haven't. What are they waiting for? Well, to perfect
0: the technology as well and to perfect the whole um, smart system. You've got to have smart appliances. You've got to develop smart you know, self-driving cars. You've got to develop all the stuff that's going along with 5G. You know, 5G is uh, is next level communication. It's it isn't just uh, an advance on what 3G and 4G was. It's it's millimeter waves. These are these are tiny, tiny little waves. And this is why they've got to put so many um, relay stations every couple of hundred meters. They've got to put a relay station because they're such small waves. You know, so they've got to wait until everything else is in place. You need the digital currency. You need the cryptocurrency. You need to be developing um, smart self driving cars, smart systems. You need to develop things like bioresonant technology as well. See, the whole concept of us being microchipped, everyone's scared of being microchipped. They don't need to microchip you, they don't need to microchip anyone. They can bounce an acoustic signal off your body and it will read your bones, it will read your skeletal structure. A little audio wave will bounce back to a monitor and it will say that's Mel Fabregas, because that is Mel's skeleton. That cannot be reproduced, it cannot be counterfeited. A signature. That's it. It's your signature. That is that becomes your password for you to enter your house, for you to enter your car, for you to turn on your laptop or whatever. This becomes your password. You don't even need a password. You don't need to remember your password because it remembers you through bioacoustic resonance. They don't even need a microchip to do that. You know, this is another it's another red herring to keep people worried. Keep people thinking, well we're not we haven't seen the microchips being rolled out, so we're good. We're good yet. Put out all these movies, Equilibrium and all these movies which show a dystopian future of what the New World Order will look like, this Nazi Germany-looking thing on steroids and all high-tech, and people look at these movies and they go, oh, well, we're not there yet, so we're good. You know, That's that's what they're all for. That's what all these ideas are for. They're all red herrings to make us think that we're safe so we don't notice what's actually going on underneath us. You know, it's never going to look the way they say it, was on those movies it's all going to be smart and it's all going to be things that are very subtle and you don't even realize are happening that you will accept into your life because it's far more convenient for you to do things this way this is why they make things so inconvenient that's why it's so inconvenient for me to just go out shopping using cash now and you go to the um go to the airport like when we arrived at an airport and you, you'll find that there's um 16 or 17 counters there to stamp your passport but only two of them are open so you've got to wait in the lines for hours and hours and then over next to that is the retinal scanners that they're just constructing for you. So to show it how easy it will be, then you just be able to walk through the retinal scanners nice and easy. You know. They could open all the counters and make it a lot easier for you anyway, but they make sure to make it totally inconvenient for you so that you will accept their offer of more convenience, which is really more surveillance and the smart grid. That's what's happening and that, that's where we're being led. So all this talk of microchips and all this sort of stuff, I mean, sure, that will serve a purpose and you might even see it happening on a, on a small scale to some degree. But again, it's a red herring. It's a distraction so that people aren't looking at the bigger picture.
1: I want to come back to smart grid and the Middle East and all this, but let me go back to what you were talking about, about this androgynous society that we're creating. I don't know if you heard that in Arizona, there's an entire family that's in transition. The father is turning into a woman. The wife is turning into a man. Their son is turning into a girl. And the daughter is turning into a, a boy. Where is this going? And what do you think the purpose of all of this is?
0: Um, publicity, people trying to identify with something that they're not. I mean, people just want to be something. A lot of people feel so inadequate in their own lives. When you look about that, Great publicity—they get to be on TV. That means a lot of things to a lot of people. It's a strange thing. I mean, it's sick. I mean, there's only two genders. That's it. You can you can claim there are 34 if you want to, but the fact is that there's only two. If you're having trouble identifying and figuring out which one you are, I suggest you just pull down your pants and have a look between your legs, and you'll soon figure it out. You know, you may have um, different um, practices you would like to get up to. You may um, indulge in whatever, you know, strange behavior behind closed doors. That doesn't mean that your gender is not one of two genders because there is only two. This is basic human biology. Now, people do this sort of stuff, you know, the whole transgender family just to be the first to do it, you know, and and imagine what the kids are going through with this. I mean, this is child abuse. Imagine what these kids are going to feel like when they grow up, you know, 30, 40 years old. They're going to look at their parents and go, wow, what did you do to me? Why didn't you let me be a normal child and make my own mind up? That's the scary part about it is that they're doing it to kids like six years old, teaching them that it's okay to be the other gender if you want to be. And and this is just basically playing make-believe. And you can get a a young kid and teach it that it it is the opposite sex of what it is, and it'll believe it, and it'll play make-believe, and it'll go through its life completely messed up. It may have gone that way. It may not have gone that way. But you can train a child to be anything you want it to be. That's what kids do. So this is child abuse of the worst kind. And um, families like that, I mean, that that blows me out that there's a whole family doing it. I would say they're doing it, though, simply for the attention of being the first ones that did it. It's it's something similar to Munchausen syndrome, you know?
1: See, as a libertarian, I don't care what consenting adults do, but when it comes to children— leave them alone. And as you said, this is XXXY, two types. That's it. Biology, do a DNA test, and that's your answer right there. But when it comes to all these schools now, taking the words he or she and, and you adding the word Z to it, this is really changing society to a point where I don't know where we're going to be in the future. For example, some people are saying there's this man that pretends to be a Filipino woman. So now they want to be trans-ethnic. Then somebody's going to say, I feel like a cat. Or what if tomorrow I say, I feel like a 72-year-old and I want retirement benefits early. Are they going to give me the benefits?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. You've got uh, trans-abled people now too. Have you heard of them? Trans-what? Trans-abled. People who um, willingly go and have operations to become disabled. Oh. Because they feel disabled and they feel that they should be disabled and people that wear, you know, these leg straps and spend their lives going around in wheelchairs, and there's nothing wrong with them. They can stand up and walk. But they feel that they should be disabled. You know. So they're transabled people. We need to respect their their right to be disabled. You know, like <laughs> wow. that's that's, yeah, that's it's incredible. Mind-blowing. This is mind blowing. This is people who are so out of touch with themselves. And that they just need attention. They need to, to make some statement to get that sympathy from the world because they just can't face being themselves. A very, very strange thing. I mean, you know, you, know, I, I, I need, you need to respect my right for me to be something that I'm not. Why? Why? Why would I ask anyone to respect that right? You need to respect my right to be a tree. I'm going to stand here in the same spot and let my hair grow green and moldy, and you have to respect me and my right to be a tree. It's absurd.
1: (laughs) But we also have to pay for those operations now too. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. They'll probably end up getting government benefits to pay for the operations. It's unbelievable.
1: Now, when it comes to the Middle East, let me go back to, I forgot, 2011, I believe it was, Muammar Gaddafi. Everybody paints him as this dictator, which he was, but he was a benevolent dictator. And we can talk about this for hours and all the good things that he did for the country and people there knew about it. And you can interview anybody there and they will tell you. But then comes this criminal and said, we came, we saw, he died. Ha ha ha. You know who I'm talking about, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Hillary Clinton. That was incredible. Watching her cackling with glee as Gaddafi was anally raped and murdered live on TV. Unbelievable.
1: Now, what do you think the purpose of making that a failed state was? It was because he was becoming a threat to the establishment?
0: Well, he was becoming a threat to the establishment as much as you wanted to create the, uh, the gold dinar. Denar. denar. And uh but it was also a bank robbery. I mean he had um what seventy eight billion in, in uh in cash and funds there and he had uh or in, in gold. gold. And he had some like a hundred and twenty billion in uh, other assets throughout Swiss accounts. Uh, all of this stuff has been funneled into the Clinton Foundation. Also when you look at the Kalergi plan, the um the nineteen twenty eight Jewish plan to overrun Europe with migrants. Um, it was necessary to take out Libya for this to happen as well. Gaddafi predicted, he said, if you take, if you take out Libya, um, Europe will be overrun with immigrants, will be overrun with refugees within five years if you take out Libya. And it came true. That's exactly what he said would happen because Libya, Libya is the cork in the bottle of Africa. All of the refugees that came up through Africa, from Rwanda, from anywhere, Sudan, they all had to come up through Libya And they would get to Libya and they would find solace, they would find help, they would find a home, they would find employment, and they'd be able to make a life for themselves. So Gaddafi helped all of these migrants and he stopped um, Europe being overrun with refugees and migrants. So that's another reason why it had to be done as well. You couldn't have had this huge refugee crisis and this destabilization of Europe which was, is going to bring about the need for things such as the new economic roads, the new one belt one road system. See, all this stuff leads to the same thing. You know, you've got to create the chaos so people will want the order to come from it. You know, so it's all part and parcel to the same thing. But Libya, it was essential that Libya be taken out for this to happen.
1: But I understand, look, how the Europeans feel they've been overrun. But I also understand the people that had to leave Libya and they had to leave Syria when they were being bombed there all the time, supposedly because we wanted to help the moderate rebels, when in fact what we wanted to do, in my opinion, was to get rid of Bashar al-Assad, so that we can create. And again, people write hate mail to me when I say this. They want greater Israel. They want to be able to take over more land. Period. Absolutely. That's absolutely. That's
0: what it's always been about. Greater Israel project. I mean, and greater Jordan. They want to have. That's why Jordan is is sort of left there. To, to dysfunction the way it is. You notice that? There's never any real aggression in very Jordan. Very quiet, yeah. They, they want to extend Jordan to, to encompass Mecca, and they want to move all the Arabs into Greater Jordan. That's what it's all leading to as well. But the Greater Israel Plan has been failing a little bit. Yeah, they haven't been doing very well. Like they've just made a complete mess of things in Syria. Uh, Hezbollah are really uh, holding their ground in Lebanon, so it's not really working. You know, I think Putin's kind of looked at all this and said, "Well, look, you know, I've sit back and let you guys try this plan for a while, and you're messing things up. So now we're going to go with China's idea." You know, so um, yeah, I mean, Greater Israel has always been on the on the cards, and it's always been part of the play, and it still is. You know, and they're still pushing for it to happen, but it's been put on the back burner a little bit now. But this is why you've got Israel still attacking Syria now, still bombing Damascus and posturing against Lebanon. You know, this is why we just had you know Saudi Arabia posture against Lebanon because Israel can't really get away with doing it. They can go and help their brothers in Saudi Arabia because the Saudi Arabians are under threat from Lebanon, which is rubbish. You know, it's all been cooked up just to keep the conflict going. But um, yeah, a lot of it's about Greater Israel, always has been, and always will be. And what's going on in Europe is all about the Kalergi plan, the destabilization of Europe, the merging of the genders, the merging of the races, so you end up with Jews and goyim. That's what they want.
1: So basically what you're saying is that the the Kassari mafia, because I want to separate Jews from, I don't want to generalize all Jews because I have plenty of jews who's, who who's who know what's going on. But the Khazarian Mafia, those people who are involved in finance and banking in Hollywood, and what they want is to be able to mix everybody else so they can stay the pure race and be the ones managing the world. Is this the end game, Max?
0: Well, to a, de- to a degree, yeah. I mean, the Khazarians are the ones that are doing it. It's not the real Jews. It's the Khazars that are doing it, absolutely. Yeah, merging, merging all the races together and them sitting at the top of the pile, that's, that's the plan eventually, if they can get to it. But I think too many people are waking up to it now. I don't think a lot of people are going to want this to happen. I don't think China is going to want it to happen. I don't think uh, elements within Russia are going to want it to happen either. So, you know, that has always been the plan, and that is who has been messing the world up for so long. They've been kicked out of like 130 countries 198 times or something. So, um, but, yeah, I think too many people are waking up to it now. Even many of the people, even the Christians that are speaking out and standing so strongly in support of Israel and the United States now realizing they're doing their due diligence with their Bibles and they're looking at it and thinking, well, hang on, this is actually the synagogue of Satan that we were warned against supporting because by supporting these people we're actually speaking out against Israel and speaking out against the Jews because these aren't real Jews. So, It's such a convoluted mess, such a convoluted issue. The whole Jewish question, the Khazarian question, uh, very, very difficult to talk about without being labeled anti-Semitic. Of course, all this has been done by design. But yeah, that's who it is. It's the Khazars. That's who's running the banking system. That's who's uh, run this whole mess right from the beginning.
1: Now let's move on to something else, net neutrality. There's a lot of confusion here in the United States. One side says... Oh, my goodness, they're just uh, repealing net neutrality. But another group says, wait a second, but we're actually taking over. As long as you give it to the private industry, competition will allow better service, more efficient service, as opposed to a government that can actually delegate this to the United Nations. So which side are you on?
0: Well, look, the net should be neutral. It should be neutral. It should be completely neutral. If we, if we lose net neutrality, it gives servers and, and companies the, the ability to throttle bandwidth, to be able to limit people's bandwidth and give other companies more bandwidth. And that will effectively squeeze out any voices that they don't want heard. And the, the Internet has always been a place that's been an even playing ground. You know, we we're able to go up there. We can create a website, put it up there. And suddenly you've got just as much chance of reaching people as any other major company. You don't need to have a lot of money behind you just to put a website up there and have your face out there and have your voice out there on the Internet. When net neutrality has changed, you will need a lot of money to be able to do that. Otherwise, you just won't get the bandwidth. People won't be able to get your information. So we need it to remain neutral, and we need it to always be neutral. The Internet should be there for the people. But uh obviously, it's not going to be. It's like what you were talking about before. I mean, you know, they just throttle different bandwidth. They hide um different stuff, you know. It'll get to the point where you just can't find these websites you want to find. You take ages for them to load because there's no bandwidth. That's what net neutrality has the potential of, of doing. So, you know, I think it's a bad thing. Any changes to net neutrality, um it, it's just going to effectively... Um, squash the truth out and prevent people from getting access to information that they need.
1: But it's already happening, Max, even right now. And again, I've said it before, I don't depend on monetizing my videos on YouTube, but 99% of them, even near-death experiences, which is something very innocent, they're demonetized. Then you have to Google completely. Right now, if you even look for, for our names or our shows, you can't find them anymore. And when you do, Google sends you a little warning saying, oh, this is a very unsafe website. Don't go there. And I have yeah. absolutely nothing on my website and no malware, nothing. But people are writing to me say, saying, I'm scared of going to your website. So obviously, they're doing that to me, maybe to you and to somebody else.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, but I, I predicted all this was going to happen as well. I warned people about even monetizing their YouTube accounts. I said, look, um, this, is, this is just a trap. Because you know we've been speaking out against this economic system for so long, and now they're trapping you into the economic system with your YouTube accounts. Now people are putting out um, videos, and it's more about sensationalism. It's more about clickbait. It's more they they want the views yeah. rather than reporting the actual truth. And then many people started making such a good income from their YouTube channels that so they quit their day jobs and they quit all their other stuff in life. And I said, look, don't do it because they're just going to pull you out, pull the carpet out from right underneath you. When Flat Earth and all this stuff came out, I started saying this is all being done to bring about internet censorship because they're teaching people to you know look what you can convince people of you know by having freedom of speech on the internet. We've got so much fake news out there and all this the Pizzagate, all this stuff. I said, you watch, watch where you're being led. This is all about to bring about internet censorship, and bang, then it all happened, and all these accounts got demonetized, and all these people who were completely dependent upon that. Their world started to fall apart because now they don't have the income from YouTube. And you think about it, you know, when you monetize your account, you go into their partnership agreements. It gives them the ability to censor you a lot more. Plus, you've just given the system all access to your bank account details and everything. They know exactly who you are, where all your finances are flowing to, all of that sort of stuff, just for a few dollars that they don't even care about. It doesn't matter. You made four or five grand a month, even whatever people are making. Um, it, it's all just chicken feed, really. It's just just you know, it's crumbs to them. They don't care. And people have sold their souls for this monetization. Now, what I do, I've never done it because of income. I've never put out the stuff I've put out um, and sold anything. I wanted people to know that I do what I do because it needs to be done. It's not about money. You know, any help people can give me, that's great. But I'm not going to sell stuff. You know, if I if I sell information, I feel like. I'm polluting it. I just, I just do. It's just this personal thing I have. I can't, I can't sell information to people. I, I want the world to change. Um, I don't want to do this for an income. I want to do it because I want the world to change. I would prefer not to be doing this. I prefer to be sitting in the forest, playing guitar, smoking weed, having a good time, kicking back with a lovely woman. I don't need to be doing any of the stuff that I'm doing, but I do it because it needs to be done. And I warn people that this was, this is what it was all about. So I never monetized my account. I've never monetized anything. Um, So I haven't really noticed a lot of this stuff, the way it's happened, um, because I haven't been subject to it. I'm not subject to such stringent guidelines on YouTube because I'm not one of their partners. I I just never went down that road because I could see where it was going to go. And it only lasted about, what, two years of monetization. And then everyone started getting nipped in the bud. Everyone started getting their accounts terminated. Everyone started losing their income. And that's what it was for. Yeah, and you think about it, you know, like everything we do is is to to speak out against this economic system. It's the economic system which has completely enslaved us. So why are we now allowing that economic system to dictate what we put out on YouTube and allowing ourselves to fall into that economic system and that is then controlling people's minds and controlling the content they're putting out there. You know?
1: Isn't it interesting that it's the ADL, the anti defamation league, that's behind the censorship? Uh, that says who and who's not getting paid.
0: Yeah, and, and all they do is defame people. This is very clever, the way they do this, you know, the Anti-Defamation League. It's like the uh, Jewish, um, what is it, the, the um, Israeli Defense Force. They don't defend anything, it's, it's the Israeli Offense Force. They attack all their neighbors all the time, they attack Palestine, but they, they present it that way, we're the Defense Force. It's like when they did Operation Protective Edge. They weren't protecting themselves; they're attacking another country, you know. So, all of this stuff—it's all—it's all done backwards, and it's all presented backwards. And they're very, very clever the way they do it. The Anti-Defamation League is about defaming anybody who speaks the truth about Israel or speaks the truth about um, what, what is really going on there, who the who the Jews who run Israel really are. You know, it's about defaming them, but they call it anti-defamation. It's like you know, anti anti-Semite when it's not even Semite, you know. It's, it's,
1: it's so clever. If it was their choice, they would criminalize any speech that doesn't go with their program. Just like Australia has it, I believe. Europe has it. Try to question anything of the past.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They just put out a thing in Australia where whistleblowers will get 20 years in jail as well in Australia if they reveal any government secrets. Yeah. Unbelievable.
1: Wow. Well, we have to take a one and only break, but when we come back, we have a lot more. I want to discuss how we defeat the system ourselves. Is there a controlled demolition taking place in America, even though things are looking pretty when it comes to the economy? I know that you have an opinion about that, too. I'd like to get that, too. And I also sometimes wonder, Max, if we walk in more than one reality, there's also this separation and division all the time. Every time... I try to connect with people. I feel that some, but something's trying to divide us so we can never, never conquer and find our true potential. Max, how can people learn more about your work?
0: All of my work will be found on thecrowhouse.com. You'll find links to all my stuff there, my Facebook pages, my videos, my YouTube channel. It's all there on thecrowhouse.com.
1: Folks, don't go anywhere. A privilege to me to end the year with my brother in truth, Max Egan. Much more when we return. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere.
0: Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, Miracle Mineral Solution, Pure Organic Sulfur, and other great products.
1: Thank you.